So today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we're continuing this Advent series, Stories of Advent. We spent a week looking at Mary and her important role in the Christmas story. Last week, Todd brought us a great teaching on Joseph, not your average Joe. Today, we are looking at the bad guy in the Christmas story, the villain, King Herod. So to get us started, I'm going to briefly take us through my Herod primer again. So we recently finished this long series through the book of Acts, and we did spend some time talking about the various Herods that we encountered in the book of Acts. There are actually four different rulers mentioned in the New Testament by the name of Herod. So four Herods total. And I was thinking while writing up my notes, that almost sounds like a band name, right? The four Herods. Hey, we're the four Herods, and this is our new song. Every Rome has its thorn. Okay, I'll see myself out. Thank you. Bye. All right, thanks, thanks for the, uh, the pity laughs there. Anyway, so the first Herod mentioned in uh, the New Testament is King Herod the Great, the ruler of Judea. And we will read about him in just a moment. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter two today. Herod the Great was not great. He was a monster. He was terrible. He tried to have Jesus killed by killing all of the young boys age two and, and under in Bethlehem. I mean, that's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Another Herod, we got Herod the Great's son, Herod Antipas, and he became the Tetrarch of Galilee, so that was his region to rule over. <coughs> and this second Herod is mentioned in the Bible. He's, he's the one who was sent to Jesus. No, Jesus was sent to this Herod in Luke chapter 23 before he was sent back to Pilate. Herod found no fault in Jesus, sent him back to Pilate. He's your problem to deal with. Herod Antipas is also the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. That's not cool. And then we got the third Herod, Herod Agrippa I. He's the grandson of Herod the Great, the son of Herod Antipas. Agrippa I persecuted the church in Jerusalem. He had James the apostle killed. This dude's a real jerk. And if you remember, you know, we read about this Herod Agrippa I. We read about his death in Acts chapter 14. He was accepting the praises of a crowd of people that were calling him a god. And the Bible says he was struck down by an angel of the Lord and he died through divine judgment. And then the fourth Herod we read about is King Herod Agrippa II. This is the one Luke writes about in, in Acts chapter 25, just called King Agrippa. And so Agrippa II listened to Paul's case uh, and advised Festus, the new gover governor of Judea. So today we're primarily, primarily looking at the first Herod, King Herod the Great in Matthew chapter two. So let's take a look at our text for today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So after the birth of Jesus, King Herod the Great, ruler over all of Judea, which is at this time included Samaria and Galilee, 
Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Jericho, many other familiar locations in the Holy Land. These magi come from the east. And notice that it doesn't say three magi <laughs> or three wise men. That's actually not in Scripture. Scripture does not tell us specifically how many wise men there were, but according to longstanding tradition, because there were the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, tradition has held that there were probably three wise men. So it's entirely possible there could have been a fourth magi or a fifth or a sixth. I mean, who knows? And interestingly enough, according to the Eastern Syriac church tradition, they believe there were 12 magi. Not sure how they got to that number. There's no evidence in scripture, but you know how church tradition can be. (laughs) By the way, magi is a word used often to describe a sorcerer in the Bible, but it also has another meaning. In this case, magi was describing educated scientists from the East, probably astronomers. And that's how they understood the stars and saw this new star appear. They called it the star, you know, the star of the new Jewish king. And some translations, they just bypass all that and they, they just call them wise men, which is fine. They are also referred to as kings in church tradition, and, and that's because of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60. Let's take a look at that. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's talking about Jesus. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. So this mention of kings is, is why the Magi have also been called kings. There's the mention of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. In Isaiah, they just say gold and incense, but frankincense and myrrh are types of incense. They're ingredients used to make incense. They were aromatics. So there's this clear prophetic connection to the birth of Christ in this chapter from Isaiah And that contributed to this tradition of referring to the Magi as kings from the east. Thus the song, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse afar. So something else to keep in mind. The timing of the Magi appearing before Herod, it it may not be what you think it is. (laughs) If you look at a typical nativity set, which can cause so much confusion in people, You'll see that the wise men and or the magi, they're included here. You know, everybody's here. The shepherds are here. There's an angel there. The, the wise men are there. The sheep. Don't forget the sheep. But the magi actually visited at a later time than this whatever nativity gathering we are portraying here. And I was so confused by this, you know, as a kid. Like, well, well look, you know, they're right there next to the shepherds. You know, it's just a bunch of figurines, artistic license, right? You know, it's it's still a fun way to remember the importance of what happened. Don't want to leave out the Magi. We don't have to be, you know, 100% historically accurate with how we decorate the house. (laughs) But anyway, let's let's go back to Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, important caveat, when they say things like all Jerusalem, all the people, 
they had a certain way of writing back then. In this particular context, when they say all Jerusalem, it's referring to the leadership, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. They were supporting King Herod in this concern about the new king because uh, Herod and the Jewish leadership, they were both power-obsessed. They were so concerned with preserving their own power. This talk of a new king was concerning for them, which is really sad since, you know, according to the Hebrew faith, they should have been longing for their Messiah. But not every person, literally, in Jerusalem was with this group because we know there were some who were very excited about the coming of Jesus, which we already read about in Scripture. People like Simeon and Anna, the mother and father of John the Baptist. I'm sorry, he's a priest. Zechariah and Elizabeth, the mother and father of John the Baptist. Let's read on. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. I mean, I, I just picture him with like the villain fingers, you know, like, mm, yes, report to me so that I too may worship him. <laughs> you know, Herod had no intention of worshiping Jesus. He only intended to do whatever it takes to protect his own power whatever nasty thing he was scheming. And the Magi did indeed find Jesus. <clears throat> they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the details of, of all this, the timing of the Magi's arrival, the, the location exactly, it's not completely clear in the text. And so the different scholars come to different conclusions about some of these details. So for starters, the time frame between the birth of Jesus and the arrival of the Magi it's traditionally 12 days, and that's where we get the 12 days of Christmas, right? On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a bunch of birds. What a crazy song that is. Like, honey, you've barely spent any time with your 400 birds I gave you. What's wrong? It's like a whole zoo. So many birds. Anyway, this was just decided by a council of bishops uh, in 507 AD. They're like, yeah, 12 days. Sure, that sounds good. But there is actually a strong argument that the Magi visit didn't happen for at least 40 days, probably more, after the birth of Jesus. And the reason for that is because, according to the law of Moses, Jewish mothers were supposed to undergo a period of purification for 40 days after the birth of a child. And then they were to bring a sacrifice to the temple in order to dedicate the child to God. And we actually read about this in Luke chapter 2. 
Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So Joseph, Mary, they were devout Jews. They would have followed this Mosaic law. So some scholars think the likely scenario is that Mary and Joseph returned to Nazareth after this purification period, and the star led the Magi to their house in Nazareth. That is a strong theory, and I think it holds a lot of weight. In verse 11, it just says, on coming to the house. So they were in a house, I'm assuming the house where they lived. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. It doesn't really specify where they were. Anyway, let's read on. Our boy, Herod, he's not happy. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Ugh, awful. <coughs> then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So this is what Harold the Great, uh, Harold, Herod the Great is most known for. He's most known for infanticide, mass murder. I mean, this is one of the most horrific acts of, of murders, murdering innocent children recorded in the entire Bible. You know, and we've been looking at these major players in the Christmas story, Mary, Joseph, these heroic parents that they were so humble, they were obedient servants, they trusted in Father God to provide and protect them. Now, Herod is the villain. He is this embodiment of pure evil, and he is threatening Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And I know it's not common to, to spend time on the bad guy, you know, during an Advent series, but this is just something that God's been calling me to recently, if you can't tell with the screw tape letters thing. God seems to be calling me to, to be aware of the working of our enemy, of you know, the dark forces in this world, Satan, demons, etc. And they are working. We can't be ignorant of that. You know, and, and I believe this is important for followers of Jesus to be aware of the working of the enemy. And it's unpleasant sometimes, but I do think it's important. You know, the Apostle Peter wrote in his letter in the New Testament, be alert and of sober mind. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion <clears throat> looking for someone to devour. So alertness, awareness, readiness, these are important things for us. And, and Notice this is not interest in the enemy. This is not some kind of dark curiosity or fascination because that can lead to danger. This is an alertness and awareness of the enemy and what they're doing. Have you guys ever heard of Sun Tzu? Sun Tzu, he was an ancient military strategist, philosopher. He wrote this book called The Art of War. Well, one of his most well-known quotes is, know thyself, know thy enemy, a thousand battles, a thousand victories. And I think that's true for us today. 
And that's one of the reasons why I felt led to take us through this series on the screw tape letters, which is all about understanding and being aware and alert of the enemy and what they're doing. It's to help us engage in this very difficult but important task. I think now more than ever, it seems like the enemy is working from the shadows, quietly, secretly, subtly, doing so much damage, slowly but surely. I mean, our country, our culture, we're all like frogs in a pot of water, and the temperature is just slowly turning up, right? That's how this moral decline of our culture is happening all around us, slowly, gradually, and sadly, there are a lot of Christians that just get sucked up into that current of moral decline, because it's difficult to go against the flow, right? It's so much easier just to go along with things, hakuna matata, yeah, man, no worries. YOLO, you only live once, man. Don't stress, just enjoy it. You know, that's a dangerous philosophy that we need to watch out for. Apathy, giving up on values and biblical principles, like that's a problem. Everyone else is doing it, you know, why, why should I fight anymore? That's another lie from the enemy, right? We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to stand firm in the truth of God's word amidst this sea of opinions and, and just falsehoods that is swirling around us always. And we need to be humble and obedient like Mary and Joseph. You know, so in the Christmas story, Herod is this representation of, of many different forms of evil that we still see in this world. You know, and I do not doubt for a second that Satan is working behind the scenes here influencing Herod, whispering lies to him, fueling his greed, his jealousy, his lust for power. I mean, what else could lead a man to mass murder innocent children? <clears throat> you know, there is a debate among various branches of the church as to how many young baby boys were killed. Um, we don't have data on the population of first century Bethlehem and the surrounding region. Uh, it was not a big population. You know, I was uh, doing some research and I think traditionally there's like numbers in the hundreds of thousands. Realistically, it was probably several dozen boys that were killed. That's still awful. I mean, it's, it's still tragic. What a horrible thing for Herod to do. So what do we do then as followers of Jesus in the face of an evil like Herod? What do we do with this knowledge, this awareness that there is an evil presence out there that is working to trip us up and distract us and harm us? How do we best arm ourselves for spiritual warfare? You know, the Bible is just chock full of all these wonderful teachings for us to prepare us and equip us. You know, Paul writes about the armor of God in Ephesians 6. That's a great chapter. The Gospel of John teaches us about the importance of and the power of God's Holy Spirit working in us and through us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us when we receive Christ, but we can also receive empowerment from the Holy Spirit for ministry, gifts of the Spirit, things like that. I'm really excited. We do have a date for our prophetic ministry team, and that's coming up soon. I'm excited for us to just continue to develop this church culture in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, Jesus teaches us to love others, to follow him by denying ourselves. I think selfishness is such a powerful tool of the enemy. 
And if you look around this world, everybody's just out for themselves. It's all about selfishness. And when somebody like Jesus comes along and, and says, love your neighbor as yourself, or he challenges his disciples to love others as Jesus loved, and what did Jesus do? He gave his life up for the world. That is a tall order. That is a powerful kind of love, a sacrificial love, and that's what Christians are called to, to love others, which is the opposite of what the world is doing, which is selfishness, personal gain. And it's no wonder there's so many people in this world that are just miserable because there is nothing happy at the end of that road. There is no joy. There's no peace in doing nothing for anyone else and only pursuing your own personal desires. Peter teaches us to be alert and a sober mind. You know, there's so much good teaching in God's word for us to receive and we need to be in, in the word and reading scripture but I do think the first thing we need to remember when we're talking about spiritual warfare and preparing for battle against you know, the Herods of this world, the evil of this world, the first thing we need to remember is that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is already won, right? And, and that kind of frames how you approach spiritual warfare. Right? We, we're not just cowering in a corner like, oh, demons are nasty. You know, Jesus Christ is victorious. The battle is won now and forevermore. You know, even though there is a daily battle that does rage on, we are still in this war zone, and we can feel the effects of that sometimes, right? Our victory in Jesus is secure. The enemy's fate is sealed. And our Heavenly Father has, has revealed this to us, which is such a blessing. What a blessing that we can hold on to that. Even though things are hard right now, sometimes, honestly, life just stinks sometimes. But we can hold on to this fact that, okay, my God is greater. My God has a plan. My God is victorious. And he is working towards the full restoration of this world. So when Herod, this instrument of the enemy, came after Jesus, God said, no. No, sir. No, you don't. <laughs> Let's read what happens in Matthew chapter two. After the Magi left, Joseph had a dream from the Lord. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So what did Mary and Joseph need to do in this situation? They simply had to listen, obey, and trust. Listen, obey, and trust. That's it. They didn't have to come up with some plan or figure out a strategy for protecting Jesus from the most powerful man in Judea. Joseph got a dream. He received it. They trusted the Lord. They obeyed. They did what God told them to do. God fought this battle for them. God protected them. God provided everything they needed through these gifts from the Magi, this pile of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which was extremely valuable, and they probably could have traded it for whatever they needed in Egypt to live for as long as they needed to, to stay safe. 
You know, Matthew's account does not give any clarity on this, but it is possible that God may have administered direct judgment against King Herod. You know, Herod died not long after this massacre of, of the baby boys in Bethlehem. And historical record says that he died of a painful, putrefying illness of unknown cause. And later, the historians would call his sickness, they referred to it as Herod's evil, that's what they called it. Herod was so wicked on his deathbed in Jericho, he was worried that no one would mourn for him after he died. So he commanded that his sister and brother-in-law bring a large group of respected, distinguished men to Jericho. And he said, I want you to kill them all on the day that I die so that there will be some kind of display of grief on the day that I die. Isn't that just the nastiest thing you've ever heard? So thankfully, his sister and brother-in-law were not psychopaths and they did not fulfill this request. <coughs> Herod's grandson, Agrippa I, and there's gonna be a quiz on the four Herods after this. No, just kidding. Um, Herod, Agrippa I also died of some kind of sickness. He died of parasitic worms because uh, Acts chapter 12 does confirm that his death was divine judgment from the Lord. He was struck down by an angel. Josephus says it was parasitic worms worms that ended his life. Anyway, it's important for us to remember that God is not just standing by. I, I mention these kind of morbid deaths of Herod because, because Merry Christmas, and that's what we talk about. Yay! We just love our Advent time, and let's talk about worms and parasitic diseases. and. <laughs> Oh, man. I think my point is, it is important for us to remember that God is not just standing idly by, right? God, God is not just saying like, all right, Mary and Joseph, hope you guys can pull this off. Good luck. You know, I kind of get, I gave you a hard task here. No, God is our general. He is our leader. We are the ones standing at attention before the Lord. I mean, at least we should be right? Maybe that's a lesson for us today. Are we standing at attention for the Lord? Are we listening? Are we waiting for orders from our general? Are we ready to trust and obey? Because our God is mighty. He is sovereign. He is the Lord over all. There, there's no contest here, right? Like our enemy doesn't have a chance, not even a, like a minute, 0%. Christ's victory is sealed. It is secured, and that's really the beauty of the Christmas story. We see the contrast of the evil of Herod, the horrible, despicable things he did, and we see the beauty of Christ, our Redeemer, and his victory, his salvation for us. A beautiful thing. God is in control. God is sovereign. Our God protects. Our God provides the same God that protected and provided for Mary and Joseph, we serve that same God today. And he is working. He is with us. The victory of Christ is also our victory. And we're gonna talk more about that next week on Christmas Eve. I hope we can all remember that God is working to protect and to provide us. He loves his children. All that we need to worry about is listening for that voice of the Lord waiting sometimes, trusting, and obeying. Amen.
All right, let's stand and pray together. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the Christmas story. And God, even the horrible things like Herod, we can still learn from. You still teach us through your word. God, we just pray that you would help us to stand at attention. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be alert, sober-minded, ready to trust and obey in your plan. So lead us, General. We're ready. Prepare our hearts. And Lord, we just worship you. We just worship Jesus in this season. We're so grateful. So grateful for him and this victory that is shared with us. Today's benediction is from Psalm 121. If you'd like, I just invite you to hold your hands out as if to receive a blessing from the Lord today. (coughs) The Lord watches over you. The Lord will preserve you from all evil. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great Sunday. I love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday for Christmas Eve.